You are listening to the Informal Investigation Podcast. This is the podcast where we investigate, experience, and share interesting finds. My name is Asher, and let's begin. Formal Investigation Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. We are not responsible if you mess up. You should always do your own homework. If you try anything mentioned on this podcast, you are doing so at your own risk. The views presented on this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not represent any affiliated or unaffiliated organizations. Today, we are opening an informal investigation into Pale Ale. For those of you who have been following this podcast, you'll remember our first episode in mid-October uh, covered pumpkin beer. If you haven't listened to this, just stop now, stop now, and go listen. It's not what you'd expect, and it will blow your freaking mind. Freaking mind. So, pumpkin beer uh, is a specialty beer, and definitely not for everyone. Even though the one we made was pretty great, I got sick of it after one or two beers, and the rest of it is just sitting in my fridge gathering dust. Anyone, huh? Anyone ever wonder why if nothing gathers dust in the fridge? I actually have no clue. Well, that's for a different time, though. But anyway, pumpkin beer is a novelty beer, and frankly, I got sick of it extraordinarily quickly. After coming off of you know pumpkin beer, I needed a super basic beer to to clean my palate and reset my beerometer. Yeah, I said beerometer. Said first on the Internal Investigation podcast. So quick disclaimer, on this podcast, we investigate, experience, and share interesting finds. Interesting being subjective, I wanted to warn you, I happen to have a special place in my heart for all sorts of brews and ferments. These topics are likely to have more than their fair share of episodes. The history of Palal is complex, zigzagging, and still being written. There are constantly new <clears throat> new styles being added to this category. Milkshake Indian Pale Ales, Sour Indian Pale Ales, White IPAs are just a couple of the newer styles. To learn more about Pale Ales, I was able to find a book called Pale Ale. I know it's super original title. But anyways, it was uh, written by Terry Foster. Um, the book goes into detail about the history of Pale Ales and how to brew them. Before Pale Ale existed, there was just plain old ale in England. Ale was a very strong beverage that did not include hops. Sometime after the 15th century, when hops were introduced in England, they started making ale with hops, and this became known as beer. Hops, uh, in addition to their unique flavor, have antimicrobial properties. This allowed brewers to make ale much weaker, i.e. with less alcohol, um, and save money on their grain bill. Ironically, nowadays, hops are, are the most expensive ingredient in beer. Eventually, though, the term ale faded from common use as people started exclusively enjoying hop beers. The term later resurfaced to refer to stronger beers. Um, you know, reviewing everything, you know, unfortunately, um, the hydrometer was not used in brewing until the 18th century, so it's hard to know exactly what they meant by strong beer. You know, we'll get back to hydrometers in a different episode, likely. Um, but in short, uh, the hydrometer measures how much sugar is extracted from the grain and later turned into alcohol. So where did the pale get put in pale ale? 
Um, like it sounds, pale refers to color. So before we go into any of this, um, let's get back to our beer basics. Beer is made by soaking milled barley in warm water to extract the sugars. The sugar water, called wort, is then boiled with hops to add additional flavor. Finally, the wort is cooled and yeasts are added to ferment the sugars into alcohol. That simple. But not quite. Uh, we missed a crucial step uh, that most people don't even think about. What I didn't tell you is that barley uh, used to brew beer and all grain alcohol for, th for that matter. Uh, first needs to go through a process called malting before it even gets to the brewer. The person who malts the barley is known as the maltster. Awesome, awesome name. Imagine, have, imagine I'm the maltster. Oh my gosh. Anyway, to, to make pale ale, you're going to need pale malt. Pale malt is made from barley. So we're going to take a detour down maltster lane so we can really understand what this process entails. The process of malting uh, frees up sugars in the grain that allows us to make beer and other alcoholic beverages. The final step in malting is roasting the grain. This stops the malting process and adds extra flavor. Before the 18th century, the final step in malting was roasting the grain over a wood fire. The heat was difficult to control and the malt would get quite toasty, smoky, and even scorched. The toasty, smoky, scorched malt, as you may have guessed, was not pale at all. I'm going to leave you hanging and talk a little bit about malting. Then we will get back to everything became so pale. Malting can be broken down into three steps. The first step is steeping. It normally lasts a couple days. Um, this is when water is added to the grain to create the ideal growing environment. This starts the synthesis of enzymes in the aluron layer of the barley. The second step is called germinating. Um, this goes on for a little bit longer, probably three or four days. Um, the grain starts the growing process, allowing the enzymes to break down the complex carbohydrates that we will later be fermenting. And the third step is the kilning. The kilning is heating the grain to stop the germination process. This process also gives the roasty flavor to the grains. So now let's get back to how everything became so pale. So things really started to get pale in the, in the 18th century when coke started to be used to dry the malt, making kilning more controllable, leading to a much lighter and pale end product. Yeah, so what was coke? You know, when I first heard this, I was like, cocaine, Coca-Cola. I mean, these things really went through my head. Um, it's kind of embarrassing now that I think about it. Um, it turns out um, it's a coal derivative um, that was used for fuel. So getting back uh, to the history of pale ales. So in 1752, um, George Hodgson opened a brewery in London and started shipping pale ale to India. Uh, shipping beer to the Indies uh, was an interesting idea. A lot of what fueled this was actually the free ride there. The actual point of the journeys uh, was more to bring spices and other products back after the ships unloaded the beer. Hodgson created an ale that was more heavily hopped to help the beer survive the journey. Remember we said that hops have that natural antimicrobial property. This is where our extra hoppy Indian pale ales came along. The 18th century brought on all sorts of changes in England that led to increasing popularity of pale ale. None of these things seemed to be a slam dunk uh, for why pale ale took off, however. I mean, there were the Neapolitic Wars that raised grain prices, obstructed trade, and changed the way grain was taxed. 
there were water profiles from different areas. Uh, the Industrial Revolution gave people disposable income, so now they could actually buy beer instead of like fermenting it at home. Um, there were railroads opening, so beer was able to be transported. Um, regardless, uh, you know, people just seemed to like pale ales. Um, even even pale lagers, you know, in Europe uh, seemed to take off at this time. You know, this could just simply be an evolution of the human palate uh, to enjoy pale beer. It wasn't really, uh, it wasn't until the 1970s uh, that pale ale really took off in the United States, however. The, uh, the biggest difference between English pale ale and American pale ale is likely all in the hops. American pale ales use the more fruity American hops, while the, while the English pale ales uh, use more earthy English varieties. The first one was likely Liberty Ale by Anchor Brewing to commemorate the 200th anniversary of Paul Revere's ride. Yep, yep, you know I'm going to say it. The Pale Ale is coming. All right, I said it. Uh, soon after this, uh, one of the most popular and well-known American Pale Ales were made, and that's one I'm sure you've all seen in stores and bars called Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Pale Ale is BJCP, that's Beer Judge Certification Program, Category 18. It is subdivided into 18A, which is American Blonde Ale, and 18B, which is American Pale Ale. So 18A, um, American Blonde Ale, um, they, they explain it as easy drinking, I, I quote, easy drinking, approachable, malt-oriented American craft beer, often with interesting fruit, hop, or character malt notes. Well-balanced and clean is a refreshing pint without aggressive flavors. Okay, so these beers, I mean, typically taste similar to, you know, to our classic golden lagers out there. You know, our Buds, our Coronas, and all those. The difference is ale yeast is used instead of lager yeast, and I perceive this difference as a fruitier rather than crisp finish. So our you know, so our golden lagers will have that crisper finish, and our blonde ales will have that fruitier finish. And the second category, 18B American Pale Ale, so they, they explain this as a pale, refreshing, and hoppy ale, yet with sufficient supporting malt to make the beer balanced and drinkable. The clean hop presence can reflect classic or modern American or New World hop varieties with a wide range of characteristics. An average uh, strength hop-forward pale uh, pale American craft beer generally balanced to be more accessible than modern American IPAs. Okay, so the big difference that I appreciate between the American Blonde and the American Pale um, is the hop forwardness and hop bitterness of the American Pale Ale. Let's get back to me needing to clean my palate and reset my barometer. In prepping for this recipe, I was shooting for an American Pale Ale. Yeah, I say shooting for. Before I started this brew, I had a glass-on-glass -glass accident and broke my hydrometer. Again, we'll talk about this tool in a different time. Um, and I wasn't in the mood of doing calculations, so I just decided to eyeball this recipe. And things didn't quite turn out as expected. I mean, no surprise there. So um, I'll quickly run you guys through my recipe. It really was nothing that complex. Um, the majority of my grains uh, were just plain old American two-row barley. That's regular barley, uh, regular malted barley, that is. Um, and so I used uh, 2,500 grams of that. Um, then I used 170 grams of Munich malt, which is a little bit roastier barley. And then I used 170 grams of Victory malt, which is even a little bit roastier than the Munich malt. 
and I added uh, a small amount, 115 grams of wheat malt. Um, for my hops, I used a combination of Citra and Mosaic. These are actually Lupamax hops. Um, if you don't know what that is, this is, it's super, super not important to this podcast. So just completely ignore it. Uh, I added a yeast called US05, which is probably, I'm assuming it's the most popular homebrewing yeast right now. Um, it's just some plain old yeast. It doesn't impart all that much. It's kind of like plain old ale yeast. So let's do some tasting, guys. Let me go grab one of the beers and we'll talk about it. So I kind of want to explain the mood a little bit here. Um, Right now, you know, I'm in my small studio area in my apartment. Um, It is 9.40 a.m. Yeah, 9.40 a.m. I am still in my pajamas. I'm wearing that luxurious robe from our final episode. If you haven't listened to that, go listen to it now. Um, and this is my dedication to the investigation. I'm going to crack open this beer at 9, well, now it's 9.41 a.m. All right, here we go. Oh, man, good hiss, guys, good hiss. So what we have here is we have a very, very golden color. I can already smell the hops just, just by pouring it in the glass. Um, there's about, I would say about a half an inch of head, which seems to be holding out pretty well. Um, the beer is beautifully clear. Well, maybe it's not completely clear. It's almost completely clear. Uh, let's take a sniff. Okay. So immediately you are pounded with the, uh, Citra. I want to, I'll talk a little bit about the Lupamax. Lupamax is a special hop product. What it does is it kind of cuts back on the vegetal material in the hops and gives you more of the oil. So you end up getting a lot of the floral notes from it. So let's take a sip. That's pretty good. Okay. One thing I have to talk about. So this is definitely not an American Pale Ale. This is actually, I think it's a fantastic example of an, of, you know, an American Blonde. Um, it really doesn't have that, that intense bitterness. Um, it does have some fruity hoppiness. Um, and it's just completely refreshing. Like This would be a perfect summer beer. Of course, we're right at the beginning of the winter right now. But in terms of resetting beerometers, I mean, this beer is where it's at. It's easily drinkable. It's light. It's refreshing and a little bit fruity. For those of you who want to take this podcast experience um, just from listening to also seeing, um, we're working on a YouTube channel now. So the, the YouTube channel, the Informal Investigation Podcast YouTube channel is actually is actually up and running. Um, we don't have all that many videos right now, but I am hoping to get some videos on some of these beers and on some of these projects so you guys can have a little bit of a visual aid to kind of see what we're doing here. With that, uh, we're going to close this investigation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to be notified about all of our upcoming episodes. Also, check the links in our show notes for the resources discussed in this episode on informalinvestigation.com.